0: Pickaxe.
1: Yeah. So, welcome, and you go by Natalie, is that right? Natalie. Yeah. Okay. So, I'm alok or Dr. K. Thank you very much for coming mm-hmm. today. um Nice to meet you. Yeah. I'm I really love your. It. So, I think. Let's start. Sorry, I'm. I'm just fixing mm-hmm. my camera, which is why. Um, no problem. Um, so uh, do you want to just start? Because I, I I know you're predominantly on YouTube or exclusively on YouTube. Do you want to yeah. just tell us a little bit about who you are, Natalie, and, and what kind of work you do?
2: Uh, sure. Yeah. My name is Natalie Wynn. I am the creator of the YouTube channel Contra Points, And that is a channel I've been doing for about four years. It's changed a lot over the time I've been doing it. And it is, I would say... It's about politics, but it's also, I guess, more generally about internet culture. It's more about the internet culture side of politics. So when I started on YouTube, I was kind of, well, there was a lot of um, creators who were doing what was called like anti-SJW content, uh, anti-social justice warrior content, ranting about these crazy blue-haired student activists who are destroying Western civilization. And A lot of my early content was aimed at trying to, like, introduce a more measured discourse around, like, social justice issues, progressive issues, because I felt that YouTube was a very, very right wing. Um, Things have, the world has changed a lot in four years. The Internet's changed a lot. YouTube's changed a lot. And I have changed a lot. Um, I... I'm in a different. I'm going to a- say it's a whole different website, a whole different world now. Um, you know, I'm now just one among a sea of people who's doing sort of what they call like left to the content now. And mm-hmm. I also have uh, you know <laughs> changed genders in that time because I started. Uh, you know, when I started in 2016, I was having like a kind of gender crisis. Um, but I shortly realized that I was a trans woman and I've been transitioning medically uh, and socially since 2017. And all of that's kind of factored
1: into the content that I make on YouTube. Interesting. Um, Thank you so much for sharing that. So like, I think uh, your videos are fantastic. And I don't know if you have um, experience teaching, but like they're very well done. I think from a, information dissemination standpoint i think you're a phenomenal teacher
2: thank you i um I, before i did this i was a, i was i was getting a phd in philosophy and ah.
1: dropped out but um yeah i did teach a couple classes or at least take TAs in classes that actually yeah. makes a lot of sense now that i think about it because i i think what i really <laughs> appreciate about your videos is um you know whether you agree or disagree with the content whatever but i think from a Craftsmanship standpoint, they're very thoughtful, very logical. I think you form a really good like sequence of explaining context and background before you know arriving at your thesis. It doesn't surprise me at all that you formally studied philosophy because I think that's a you know they trained you how to think and construct an argument more than anything else. Um, Thank you. Yeah, it turned out to be well. And I knew, like
2: no one expects to get a philosophy job outside of academia, but <laughs> I found the one thing where. It, Actually, well, I'm sure it's useful for, for a lot of things, but it's particularly specifically useful
1: for this. Yeah. Um, in, in some fields like strategic consulting, they actually highly yeah. prioritize or highly value philosophy degrees because training in yeah. philosophy yeah. is sometimes training in thinking.
2: Yeah, it teaches you a certain approach to to things like the ability to sort of understand a perspective that you disagree with, Mm -hmm. or to like build up arguments for an argument that you disagree with, and then like sort of counter it. It's a kind of like, I guess I call it like intellectual empathy, where Mm -hmm. you understand like why you try to understand what exactly someone else thinks, and why they think it. That's maybe the more psychological side is why
1: I was gonna say that sounds like my job. Yeah, <laughs> um, Yeah, it's, it's definitely, definitely more in psychology. So, Natalie, I don't know how familiar you are with Healthy Gamer, but if I can just orient you to how we do interviews. Um, so, you know, I, we usually don't. We'll have guests who may be, like, you know, prominent in a particular field, but we don't really talk about the work that they do. So it's not like yeah. a, you know, we're, we're really here to learn about people. Yeah, sure. Um, and and I think so uh, oftentimes I'll, I'll ask questions that are like personal. So like I want to know about you as a person mm-hmm. and your journey as opposed mm-hmm. to any particular political views that you may believe in or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, if if a, a political view that you have relates to something personal in your life, I think that's actually like totally cool. Um mm-hmm. but generally speaking, you know, we we talk about people and I think a lot of what uh, our viewers really appreciate is um, seeing themselves in the person that they're talking to. So the, the discussions tend to be a little bit more personal. Sure. That being said, you know, if there is anything that, um, you're welcome to draw whatever boundaries you want around the discussion. I'm not here to try to expose anything or anything like that. Um, (laughs) you you know, like if if there's something that you feel uncomfortable with, you're welcome to say, Hey, I just don't want to answer that, um, and then, if I notice you're getting uncomfortable, I may actually point it out to you and then ask for permission to proceed.
2: Okay, sounds good. I mean, I'm a habitual divulger of information about myself. So that's probably really?
1: going to work out fine. What does yeah. that mean, a habitual divulger of information about
2: yourself? Well, I, I, it means that I enjoy the confession the confessional format. I, I, lo- I mean, uh, every once, every, every couple, you know, twice a year maybe, I make a video that's really more about me than about anything else. What do you enjoy about
1: divulging information about yourself?
2: Well, I, I suppose I'm, I'm interested in myself because I'm around this person all the time and sometimes I form opinions. I, I guess, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it feels, there's also maybe a kind of, there's probably some kind of therapeutic thing for me. It feels good to sort of speak your truth, as it were. I don't know. Uh, I can. It can also be sort of. I think it can be unhealthy to sometimes when you're kind. I, I don't know. If I, for instance, I find it easier sometimes to talk to a million people than to talk to one person. In yeah. that. I think, especially online, there's a kind of, when you're producing, you know, I'm sure people can, can relate to this when you're posting anything on social media, there's a kind of illusion of of, of solitude that comes from being alone at your computer, um, are often, you know, alone in front of the camera, uh, which is often how I'm filming, right, and how I'm writing. And so I've, I'm sort of gotten over this, I'm becoming more a professional, but there uh, there used to be a time when I would, um, you know, the first time that I would see the video I had just spent 100 hours making in the YouTube player itself, I would have this moment of panic, like, oh God, like other people can actually see this. <laughs> like, this is not just my private di- video diary that I've been working on. Um but I don't know, I guess it, it feels good to sort of like share what you're going through. And oftentimes, yeah, you know, a bunch of other people will find something relevant to themselves about what you have shared. And so that to me is very, um, well, it, it often fe- it makes you feel less alone, you yeah, know, when you sure hear that is. other people have been through this something similar.
1: And that's actually exactly what we're about. We're about, you know. I think a lot of the, the reason I started streaming was because what I noticed is I was having the same conversations like over and over and over again, and everyone thought that they were alone with their struggles. Yeah. And what it yeah. turns out is that I'm... everyone is struggling with the same stuff. It's just that's not what we advertise, right? We, sh- we put on a yeah. mask and we show people something else. And so everyone else gets the impression that the world is like a lot of people who are doing fantastic Whereas yeah, really probably. all of us are struggling, yeah. Um, and so well, I think there's a there's like a leap
2: of faith almost. That happens when you put out something very personal because you're, you know, maybe everyone thinks you're crazy, <laughs> um, or maybe, and this is a leap of faith, the fact that you are going through something in private that's not often discussed is gonna turn. It's gonna turn out that. You know, ten thousand other people are going through that same thing, and they all connect with you. So, so you're sort of hoping, or even if they're not going through exactly what you're going through, it relates in some way to their own experience. And so, you're hoping they connect on on some level.
1: Yeah. So, can you share with us? Is there has there been a particular leap of faith that you've taken that's surprised you in terms of how people responded to it?
2: Oh, let's see. Uh, yeah there there's been a few um trying to think of a like the best example. Well, I did a video a long time ago on incels, the incel movement. And I kind of in the last part of that video related cuz that you know so I spend a lot of time on incel forums. Like when I part of what I do when I cover a um like an intern, you know, some facet of internet culture is I will go into the forums and I'll, and I'll like sort of spend time learning the vocabulary and learning, like, what are the concerns, how, you know, what are the, what are the usual objections that people give to, you know, to themselves that they've heard 100 times and are just already don't want to hear, um, you know, and, and so I guess what I found is that, like, there is something kind of profoundly, I guess, relatable to me about the like obsessive, like self abuse that a lot of like incels have, right? This kind of putting themselves down all the time and to the point of like physiologically, like anatomically analyzing their defects in great detail. And that it reminded me, I guess, of um, a lot of like the uglier trans spaces online, which in a different, you know, in a di- kind of different context involve exactly the same thing which is like a, a kind of an obsessively negative self-harming like <laughs> analysis of your own anatomy right mm. uh the black pill right that's that's what incels call it the idea that you know because of their you know inferior bone structure that they are de- doomed by nature to have a
1: lonely life and, That yeah yeah and and so you said that that You said it sort of resonated with you on on some level, or it was... It it did, yeah. I found something familiar about it.
2: Uh, You know, right down to some weird, weirdly specific parallels,
1: like a concern about the shapes of facial bones. And can you... Do you mind if I ask you a little bit more, like, Mm -hmm. personally, about what it was that resonated with you or what kinds of thoughts that you have had about yourself? I'm assuming we're talking about thinking about yourself. Absolutely. I mean, at the time I was actually considering
2: going through like major facial surgery um, to change my appearance, which I ended up doing. Um, but it's it's funnily enough, it's actually a, a frequent topic on incel forums too, where they'll talk about basically doing all the opposite things of what I did, you know, augmenting <laughs> the jaw and to get a stronger, more masculine look and Uh, you know strengthening the brow bone and doing all these things that give them that like chiseled and chadly appearance
1: and and so what is it that how does changing your physical appearance how does that relate to the way that you perceive or feel or talk talk to yourself like how do you like you know what what help what motivates you to do that and what does it mean to you to do that
2: well, I think it's something that most people do to some extent, like I think everyone has everyone with a mirror has some kind of thing about themselves they don't like. I think that when you're trans like I am like there's an additional layer of it whereas I mean you like I went through a period where like I mean I was presenting appearing to the world as a as a man <laughs> and that's how like there's a very that's a very drastic sense of what i'm seeing in the mirror is wrong hmm. um and i think that you know i think that's not as you know it's it's a complicated question isn't it like how much of that dysphoria gender dysphoria how much of that is just what it means to be trans as part of who we are has to be respected and how much of it is a kind of negative like internalized hatred because society views trans people with a very cruel gaze. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's not clear, like, what is gender dysphoria? And what is just me internalizing this kind of ugly way that people have of looking at trans people?
1: So, Natalie, do you mind if I ask you some questions about, like, what your sense of, like, kind of where you grew I mean, not so much in terms of details about where, but, like, what up, sure. your upbringing was like and, and how you learned that you were trans?
2: Yeah, I can talk about that a little bit. I mean, I had, um, I guess, as, a, as an early in my early childhood, I had a pretty a pretty normal boyhood in a way. Like, it's actually, I actually done like pre twelve years old. I actually look back on that time mostly with with positivity. Hmm. I think that you know, I I was. Sort of neither the most. I was certainly not the most masculine boy, but I was not. I was not feminine to the point where it was a major problem. Um, but when I was a teenager, I guess I sort of began that there, there was this like discontent beginning to stir. Hmm. The sense that something was wrong. Um, in my twenties, it just got worse and
1: worse. Can you and, explain uh, that feeling? Um. Like, how would it make yeah, it her? I'm just imagining it, 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 that there's, like, yeah. someone who's 19 who's watching right now, and how would they know, you
2: know... Yeah, who, how would you know you're trans? Oh, that's a question I get a lot. Um, well, it gets... A lot of trans people will tell you that it's, it's easy. Like, oh, if you're even questioning it all, that means you're trans. I don't agree with that. I think that a lot of people question their gender for a lot of reasons. Um... And I think that, you know, wh- whether you're raised as a boy or as a girl, like, there's a lot of, like, gendered expectations put onto you. There's a lot of, um, you know, there's a kind of image of, of you know, what the, what you're supposed to be doing, a script that you're mm-hmm. supposed to be following. And it's it's everyone, to some extent, I think, questions that a little bit about themselves. Like, I think this, that may be especially true of, of of women, people who are raised girls, like, that's a very constrict Well, it's, it's, I think it's true of men in a different way, but it's um, you know th- there's it, oftentimes like going to be situations where you know even if you are like, just a, a you know a regular Sith woman like you're going to think like this sucks. I don't like being treated like a woman because it sucks, right? <laughs> right? And there's times when you know, when it, it sucks to be a man. Like it's absolutely it does. Um, but so to me, it's a question of, of figuring out, like, not just whether you're responding to those things, but in my case, it's more a question of, you know, I just don't, I feel like socially, I sort of fit a script for women better. Hmm. Um, and physically, I'm, I have this kind of, this sense of alienation from my body that is making it f- hard for me to like it's it's you i feel i felt sort of feel like i had to be detached from my body or go outside of my body i didn't feel sort of physically connected to the world and i you know people who are like trans women who are sort of not aware that they're trans yet tend to do a lot of things that they can't quite explain to themselves like like an atypical for a for a man amount of body shaving. And, uh, or that that kind of thing, just kind of trying to have a more androgynous look, I guess was something that I'd been doing for a long time. And then, you know, I, I would kind of like, as a joke, you know, it's Halloween. Well, what if I, what if I was a girl? Well, isn't that funny? <laughs> what if, you know, um, and, and that kind of thing. And at some point, you know, you, you realize that like, it took me a long time, honestly. I was, there was a lot of denial and excuse making, but I think you know YouTube in some ways helped me helped me figure it out. As I was kind of presenting, uh, you know, at the time I was it was played off as like a bit where I was like going to be the a degenerate cross dresser. That was just the,
1: the, the the shtick. But so it looks uh, like you used a lot of humor and, and yeah, and, uh...
2: yeah, which is. Um, It's kind of what you... Because I was sort of aware that, like... You know, like, I I knew that I didn't look like a woman. Like, I I looked like a man in a dress. And people think that's the thing that people find funny. So, I guess my way of coping with that was to be like, well, I guess it is kind of funny. Let's make it funny. And so, I did that. But at some point, I kind of realized, like, this actually is not funny to me. (laughs) It's like, this is what I want to be. And I don't want... You know, I actually i i feel like i'd rather live as a woman um and that you know when i when i realized that there was a kind of period where i was going back and forth and being like no that's because insanity don't do that and then times when i was being like okay but it's what i want and you know through through laborious through stages like for a while i identified as like gender queer meaning that i sort of identified with neither gender Mm -hmm. i thought of myself as just like an androgynous person and so I would, I would wear, you know, I was, I was like very ambiguous looking like I'd be wearing nail polish and lipstick, but like still being a, like socially, like being a man, I guess, hmm. uh, using a male name and things, but just being a, a sort of, uh, I don't know, flamboyant or um, uh, how, what is the word I'm looking for? Like uh, adorned man, <laughs> but I guess, um, you know, I just, at a certain point, I realized that I wanted to, there was like a medical component to this. You know, I, I felt that I was, uh, well, I felt that like it, it was a problem, not just, at a certain point, it's not just about, oh, I painted my nails. Oh, lots of men paint their nails. That's fine. Right. Oh, I wore a dress. So I love, well, men wear dresses all the time. Like, but at a certain point, I was like, but like, this is like, this is not what I want to be. I don't want to be a man on a dress. I'm like, I, I think I'm supposed to be a woman. And, uh, that then you know, I, I, it was always it was all very gradual. I kind of stumbled into it. Like some people, I don't know. Different trans people have different stories. Some trans people that they know from the age of three, they just have this strong inner conviction. They're a different gender. That's not really my story. To me, it was it was more just like a series of like gender problems and gender confusion that so just kind of settled
1: on this. Natalie, how how has your internal Experience or how have your feelings changed or your thoughts changed as you've walked along that journey? So I'm imagining, I'm trying to envision like when you were 16 years old and you looked in the mirror. Like, how did you feel about yourself and what did you think about yourself?
2: Um, well, I think when I was very young, like that, I kind of like found a way of expressing these feelings through like just being a pretty boy, you know, and like I was like, well, that's fine, like that's kind of me, you know. Um, and it, but but I guess that's really got hard. I think one thing that happened is when I got a bit older, like that, occupying like that kind of role, you know. At some point, like, can you be a forty year old pretty boy? Like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you can. Like, I'm sure, I'm sure that there's 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 Hollywood actors and stuff out there who I would describe that way, but. I guess I kind of realized like, you know, being a boy was okay, but being a man wasn't, mm. if that makes sense. Sure. sure.
1: And, I mean, I, I think, you know, the boys and girls and men and women, I think there's more, um, you know, androgyny between boys and girls. You know? Exactly. Exactly. So.
2: And so i that's kind of how I see myself. Like, as I can perceive myself kind of becoming a man, that really like just triggered this sense of dread and feeling of wrongness like no like i'm not supposed to be that yeah. um and so I, I think that i also around this time like you know i was not raised with a with a knowledge of trans people not in any detail um certainly not in a very positive
1: um, you know what sense. did you dread about being a man i guess i sort of felt like I felt that
2: it wasn't an expression of myself and that's very. I know that's, that's kind of vague that I feel like I'm not making it clear. It's a kind of feeling that's hard to put into words. It's like, I just,
3: I would just look at, at
2: women and, and see like, that's what I should be doing. You know, mm. like I, I sort of, it, it's a matter of, um, at a certain point kind of identification like I think that most people get their idea of what it means to be a man or what it means to be a woman from other men and women like you sort of form role models I guess you have like sort of a I mean trans people and and cis people are, are are similar in a lot of ways like like we all you know have some v- way version of our gender that's like we feel like that's us, you know. And obviously, there's a lot of different ways of being a man, there's a lot of different ways of being a woman. But, um, I guess you know, uh, and, and I think when you're an adolescent, especially, you're kind of experimenting with different options. Like, you might sort of try to be six different people between mm-hmm. ages 13 and 18, that's pretty common. But, um, like what happens when you start admiring the you start seeing yourself in, in women and not in men?
1: I that's a that's great way to put it, me. yeah. Um, so I, I guess what you identify with or what you strive to be or the kinds of role models you have happen mm-hmm. to be not from your gender, yeah. Um, yeah, it reminds me of you know, people say, um, when I was in med school and trying to figure out what I wanted to do um what people told me was like you know don't worry about the field like think about the kinds of doctors that feel like role models to you yeah yeah you know and and so i'm kind of curious you know go, going through surgery um i'm trying to find the right word for it I, I feel like drastic is a little bit judgmental so i'm trying to steer clear mm-hmm. of that word but um you know, let's put it this way: it's it's a big step, right? So medically, is, I mean, yeah,
2: like uh, drastic is not entirely wrong. I, I know I have like a little bit of a negative connotation of take yep. like, t- things too far, but I, it is. Um, it's a significant decision to make, um especially like you know the the, the main surgery I've had is facial feminization, which is a terrifying surgery. <laughs> like you're changing your face, which is a very personal um, thing, you know. Um, I think, and there was a lot of fear about that going into it. I thought like, am I, am I going to lose myself? Like, am I going to not look like me anymore? Um, and what happened? Well, as it turns out, I I basically just love it. (laughs) I feel (laughs) like I I look more like myself now than I did before. Interesting. Um, In my case, it was, it was the right decision. Um, I, 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 but it's, uh, it's certainly not something to do lightly. I think it's uh, you should, it's uh good to spend a few years honestly thinking about it before you're doing it um, because it's, uh yeah, it's an ordeal. It's an ordeal to go through. It's a lot of pain and difficulty and expense to put yourself through. Um, But I think like to me, I mean, especially as someone who's on camera all the time, like it really was a preoccupation that I had with like, you know, especially once I knew that, knew that what was possible, I was like, I I want, this is something I need for myself.
1: Yeah. So let me ask you something. So I, you know, I probably am a little bit disrespectful towards incels more so than I I should be. Um, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And, but I I sometimes kind of struggle a little bit with like that balance of changing yourself because there's a part of me, and I think this like sort of doesn't internally make sense to me. There's a part of me that says that, you know, it's completely fine if you want to change your body, but something within me recoils from the idea if I was talking to an incel and they said, you know, I want a more masculine jawline or I want this kind of facial surgery to make me look more Chad-like. And I'm, I'm really yeah. not trying to make fun of them now. Sometimes I do that and I probably shouldn't.
0: It's um, hard not
1: to because they do say some ridiculous things. But... <laughs> or very misogynistic it... things. And, yeah. and so I'm just trying to understand like, you know, is that the same or yeah, is that well, different?
2: I think it's a it's a complicated question. Like, uh, you, you know, there's there's incels who are talking about plastic surgery who are fixated on plastic surgery. Within feminism, there's, there's discourse about, like, is this just women trying to meet, like, oftentimes, like racist and patriarchal expectations about what a female beauty um, instead of just learning to love themselves as they are? Um, so I would say, like, what you know, I think that even an incel or, or, or you know, c- cis woman, like, has a, a right, has a right to get plastic surgery as well, of course. I think that these, like, desire comes from a different place, though, in a different, um, there's a different kind of justification for it. Like, I think what, like, I think what's kind of, like, aching us out <laughs> about incel plastic surgery is that oftentimes the ink explanations they give for why they're doing it are based on things that are kind of false and deranged. Like, the notion that you need this certain jawline for women to be attracted to you, and that's going to fix everything. Like, that, that, that's, that doesn't make sense. And it's mm-hmm. probably not true. And its um, it, it just comes from a fundamentally misguided like idea of, like, I mean, it, and again, I don't want to say it's always the wrong thing to do. Like maybe you have an incredibly weak chin and you just genuinely do look a lot better with a stronger jawline and that's going to make you happy. Like maybe so, maybe so, but maybe not. And I've seen a lot of people posting on incel forums where it's like, there's patently nothing wrong with your face and they, and they've, but they've kind of scapegoated this. They say this is my physical appearance. Like, that's why I'm lonely. Like, that's the problem I have with women. Like, if I change this, like, everything's going to be fixed. And that is delusional thinking. Because I don't think having a stronger jawline is going to suddenly make you, you know, women magnetize.
1: I mean, honestly, that's, so my experience with the incels and part of the reason that I make fun of incels is that I find that when I talk to a person, I have trouble, I've been looking for what I call a true incel for a long time. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And and what what my experience has been is that anytime you talk to a person who identifies as an incel, if you, I, the more I talk to them, the more that I get to know them, I can't find an incel in there. You know, I, yeah. I, what, what I see is just relatively regular level of insecurity or, you know, concern about their appearance or, or things like that. Um, but it's, you know, it's interesting. I I just wonder a little bit about some of these, because you were sort of mentioning like feminist communities that sort of talk about a particular body type that is essentially the result of the patriarchy. And I'm wondering actually if the converse is true and that's what the incels feel, that there's sort of this, I mean, it sounds actually like the same argument where it's like there's a feminine standard of beauty. um, Yeah. and, And that people are being judged and aligning towards that. And I never thought that feminists and incels would be making the same argument but yeah sparkly well i think um i I think
2: that i guess incels tend when when we talk about surgery they tend not to be super critical of it like they feel that there's this male standard of beauty um but oftentimes instead of attributing that to say like patriarchy this like social circumstance that could be changed they attribute it to like evolution hmm. the nature of the dating market and the nature of like the com- you know competitive meeting and all this kind of stuff yeah it seem to think the, the female brain is just wired to like this kind of jaw you know whereas i think that the feminist critique is more is, is founded in, in the idea that like oh this is all socially constructed um now i think that with trans surgery um it's kind of complicated because there's kind of a little bit of of two different things going on one is like gender dysphoria there's a person's individual internal sense often totally against what a person has been raised to think they should be right like i was raised to think i should be a man why am i not doing that like because there's something individually about me that is like rejected the script i was handed um And so I think that like part of the reason for my wanting to have surgery was really just to my personal desire to see myself as I feel I should be even against society to wanting me to look like that. However, when you start, you know, I live as a woman and people judge me as a woman and they judge my appearance as they would judge a woman's appearance a lot of the time with some complicating factors because of the fact that people know that I'm trans. Um, But I, I think that, i it's a question I definitely struggled with when I was, you know, preparing to get surgery. It's like, who am I doing this for exactly? Like, am I doing this because this is me? Is this going to make me happy? Like, this is what I want to see in the mirror. Like, this is all for me. Or am I doing it because I think it's going to make me look more socially acceptable and be more desirable to other people, more um, easily able to assimilate? And to other, you know, into
1: society, That's, and you, yeah,
2: That, that and the answer is,
1: both. Yeah, it's it's interesting because there's there's actually I really love that you mentioned that because it's like where does the desire to change come from? Yeah, does it come from wanting something from other people? Right. Mm-hmm. So if I'm let's say like I want a stronger jawline to attract more women, that doesn't feel that feels to me like it's a desire to change yourself to accommodate or have something to do with the outside world whereas what I from... other people and what they yeah. want yeah and
2: yeah.
1: and what i'm hearing from you is that like the fundamental difference is like i mean not to say that you don't want something from the outside world as well but that there's a difference between wanting to be satisfied with the way that you look for your own sake as opposed to wanting to look a particular way for other people and to get yeah. something from other people
2: absolutely like i think that for incels this is all They don't particularly seem to care about looking in the mirror and seeing this, whatever, their flawed jaw or whatever it is, except that they think that this is holding them back socially or sexually. And like, if they could just fix this part of their anatomy, then, you
1: know, this would be a means to the end of of attracting women. And so, Natalie, as you transitioned, um, how were you judged? What's that been like for you?
2: um well it's not easy to especially online like people view i mean people online are just are just horrible in general are pretty horrible in general they can be anyway they can also be amazing but but there's a lot of like judgment and negative judgment I think women get scrutinized very very heavily based on their appearance and then trans women in particular i find attract a certain like like not from everyone but there's a subset of people who are sort of have this cruel obsession with trans people and sort of analyzing them and deconstructing them and and just picking us apart. And that's something that I've experienced a lot. And I would be lying if I had if I said it didn't get to me. Can you can you tell us a little bit more about that? Uh, yeah. Well, people, when you know, you will see. Sometimes it's YouTube comments. Sometimes it's you know. The responses to your tweets or comments on Instagram, they'll have to say these things for me, it mostly isn't that it's mostly what this, it goes on like in a secluded part of the internet you know, there used to be a, a, Reddit, a subreddit called gender critical which is, which is like ostensibly like a trans exclusionary radical feminist way of thinking but which are often kind of what does con- that mean? So there's a, there's, a, there's a faction of radical feminists who are, like, vehemently opposed to trans people because they view trans women... They basically don't think that being a trans person is legitimate. They view trans women as men who are kind of impinging on female space, sort of invaders. Interesting. And they, yeah. And they, it sounds and like they view, gender appropriation. Yeah, that's often an argument they'll make. And then they view trans men that. as, like as like our lost damaged sisters who just are just internally misogynistic and trying to be meant to escape um but like oftentimes wow, people will
1: just judge other people for all kinds of stuff
2: oh yeah <laughs> people but it often just devolves into like simple like and like a roasting basically and you know it's not it's not just them it's not just these people there's there's a lot of people on the internet who who enjoy this if you ever go to you know 4chan god help you like there's people there's parts of that website where they sort of will obsess over trans people and it's like
1: it's especially bad if you're yeah there's a lot of criticisms to be made for 4chan but oddly enough and and hopefully i'm not speaking out of turn i was really surprised recently so i I, you know sometimes i work with people with autism and it seems like it's actually a pretty supportive place it's it's for people with autism it's kind of strange it's
2: a complicated website. Um, I mean, there's parts of it that um, that are like are, are pretty pleasant. There's, there's there's parts of it that have even like kind of like fostered some of the good parts of the internet. And people will you know anonymously, without any expectation of thanks or reward, um, like do very nice things for each other. Yeah. I've absolutely seen those things happen on 4chan. But then it can also devolve, and it sort of depends on which, you know, uh, which forum you're in. But it can devolve into just, into just incredible nastiness and cruelty also. Yeah. And I think that especially, that that t- tends to be a thing that happens with, with, with uh, trans people. So I don't know. It's not. It's, it's been a f- common experience that I'll run across. I've gotten better at just avoiding this kind of thing. But you run across a forum, wherever it is, where people are just like, you know, they're posting pictures of you or videos of you and they're just like tearing you apart. Like your physical appearance, they're misgendering me. They're either, they're dead naming me. Let's saying like, you know, oh look at his giant shoulders, look at his like, like, will anyone ever believe that's a real female voice? Like, of course not. And like, like this kind of, it's just, uh, it's very mean or they call you a sexual pervert and say that you're just narcissistic and uh, it's, So a lot of it it's it's very like cruel, I guess. And And, how does that?
1: I mean, what's it like to be on the receiving end of that?
2: Well, you feel like a like a butterfly pinned to a board, or like a a vivisection in a way. It's it's very it um it hurts. It does, and like and a lot. You know, I think of myself as a very thick skinned person, like. I'm a person who's been arguing on the internet for four four plus years professionally. <laughs> I am acquainted <laughs> with negative comments and negative feedback, but I feel like this style of thing in particular uh, has really hurt my self image, and it has kind of caused me to become like preoccupied with my appearance in a way that I think if I were not online, I never would have cared this much, and in a way that I feel like sometimes is a bit as pathological. What
1: what kind of preoccupations?
2: Well, I, I feel um I feel like I have to be very prepared to go on camera. I I when I look at myself and the um you know, I'll glance over here and look at my um the my own monitor basically. And I'm just sort of analyzing it. I imagine the things that people are going to say about me, and I guess what happens is you sort of internalize this very negative way of looking at you. And the worst part is then you you begin just applying it to yourself, and maybe worse still,
1: applying it to other trans people. What does that mean? Applying it to yourself?
2: Well, you sort of look at yourself with the own you're the same judgmental, mean kind of gaze other people look at you.
1: So so I I find myself, and if this is too personal, please let me know, Natalie, but I find myself like wanting to know the actual thoughts that go through your head. Um that when when you see like when and I would imagine that that actually your criticalness of your appearance fluctuates first thing, I would say. I would hypothesize. And I'm curious about you know when it's more active. What are the actual thoughts that you have about yourself? Like what thoughts, Mm -hmm. kind of thoughts go through your mind?
2: Well, I will, I will sort of, I mean, if I'm filming a video, for example, I'll be looking over in the monitor. And I'll think like you. I look like such a transsexual, and I'll say, "Well, you are a transsexual, you idiot. Of course, you look like one." And then, and I'll, you know, I'll listen to recordings of my voice and be like, "Oh God, like that does not sound good." And you know, it sounds like a fake voice. It Sounds like I'm trying too hard. uh, Or I will, um, like, I can't watch like my old videos. I can't watch videos from two years ago where I was sort of like not as good at this as I am now.
1: And, and those are just horribly painful. And when you say horribly painful, so I, I'm I'm going to share something with you. Well, let me just start off with this. So I, I I'm noticing there's actually two things. One is your reaction. And the second is your reaction to your reaction. And I think yeah. a lot of toxicity that people struggle with in terms of the way they view themselves actually comes from that second part, right? One is like so just to kind of repeat back to you and this is why i'm asking so i want to try to illustrate this point for other people too that you look at yourself and you say oh i look like such a transsexual and then <laughs> sometimes people you know clip what i say <laughs> and out of context. <laughs> i always think about that too <laughs> and i yeah. just realized like this is gonna be, gonna be memes it's yeah gonna be, it's gonna be great um so you know you 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 say to yourself, "Oh, I look like such a transsexual." And then actually, I think right. that's actually okay it, to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think the really damaging thing that we do to ourselves is we um we say, "Of course you do. You're a fucking yeah. transsexual," right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and and so like the, the funny thing is that you can respond to that initial observation in two ways, which is like, "Yeah, this is just, you know, I'm I'm never going to look like a perfect woman because You know, somewhere in there, there's a Y chromosome and that's okay, right? Like I can learn to be like, I can be accepting that I'm not going to look a particular way or whatever. But, but I I think when we really get into those dark places, it's like, you can make an observation, which is fair. Right. And then like, but then it's like the thing that we tell ourselves after the observation, that's really damaging. And what I find is that people try to fix that first thought. Which is they like try to convince themselves that when I look in the mirror, you know, I don't want to look like, whereas like, I think that's actually missing (laughs) the point, which is that it's, it's okay to look like that. Like, you know. No,
2: I agree that like, I think that something I sort of, I think there's an area I've begun to improve, improve a little bit recently is, is to say like, like yes, I look like to be transsexual, well, good, being a transsexual is good, and it's fine to, it's like you're allowed to be a trans woman like you're allowed to it's, it's allowed it's it's an okay thing to be, and if you look like one, okay, you are one and that's not bad like I, I think that's like the more the more healthy response yeah. yeah, and sometimes sometimes I'm like feeling that sometimes I'm able to get to that, that point of confidence where I'm like well yeah, but, and, and like that's fine, and like that's not something to be ashamed of um, and then sometimes I slide back into the like the negativity about it.
1: Yeah, yeah. So so in, in a weird way you say, and that's fine, that's not something to be ashamed of. I think like there's even one other layer of compassion here, which is that if you're ashamed of it, it's okay to be ashamed of it.
2: Yeah, accepting the shame and like yep. I guess not blaming myself for
1: it. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Right. So like like it's okay to be ashamed about your appearance. Like it's almost like saying, like, yeah. okay, I I get where you're coming from cool, man. Like, don't right, beat right. yourself up about it. Um, and yeah. I use man as a gender neutral term, which I knew oh, yeah. I knew was going to get me in trouble at some point. And I, I try to catch myself, but... It doesn't bother me. Um, so can you can you tell me, Natalie, and, and once again, if we, you know, touch... If, how are we doing so far? Am I asking you questions that feel hurtful or personal? No, no, this is good. Okay, this is... I think it's actually really helpful because I I like hearing your actual thoughts because I think that's something that we all do, whether you're trans or cis or whatever. We all judge ourselves and then oftentimes beat ourselves up for our own judgment. And the wildest one I heard recently, which is so common, is just really hurts me sometimes to hear that when people make progress, instead of being happy about it, they beat themselves up for not making progress sooner yeah it's one of the strangest phenomenon but like instead of like moving forward in life as you start to move forward you start beating yourself up more and you kind of say like oh i why didn't i do this when i was 20 or it's it's really strange anyway
2: oh it's well that's definitely how i feel about transitioning like there's a i think this is very common there's a lot of regret for like why didn't i do this earlier like it would have been easier when i was earlier i would have missed out on less time and, like, it's, uh, you know, I, I really started taking hormones when I was 28. So that's on the later side. Um, you know, and I feel like, oh, it been, if I'd done this when I was 19, oh, this would have been so much easier. I'd have had a better results. Like, I, I would have wasted less time in this, like, gender limbo that I spent a lot of my 20s in. But I don't know. It is, like, it's it's just what I had to do. It's just what I had to go through to realize this, to get to where I am. So, Uh, I try not to like to dwell on the regret too much and like it could be worse like you know I I did get it I got it in my 20s and like you know things have gone pretty well for me considering so it's not not necessarily something to complain about but it is often you know it's a kind of background regret.
1: Yeah why not complain about it?
2: Well, I don't know. Maybe it's fine to complain about it. <laughs> I guess sometimes it also accompanies a, a kind of. I think. I think among trans people, envy is so common. Like, it's it's one of the things I feel makes my community of trans people sort of difficult for me to be around. Is that I feel like there's, be, you know, we're all sort of under the same pressures, and so there's this like like girls who look amazing and who kind of pass. A, Easily as women and and just you know are kind of thriving in that way are often intensely resented by people who haven't made that and the other side of this is that oftentimes like the people who are you know trans women who are 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 super passable super pretty super whatever like they they can be very contemptuous of people who aren't and I find myself often like in both of those mindsets at various times um, where. You know, sometimes I I will look at the other, the trans women, and particularly on YouTube, who thrive, and a lot of these people are people who transitioned at, you know, 16, 17, 18, and now they're 22, and they're gorgeous, and they're perfect, and I'm just like, oh, God, like, like, why am I even allowed to be on camera around these people? Um, And then other times, like, you know, I I think I will kind of, well, there's a terrible part of human psychology where, the sort of abusive things that are said about you, there's a sick pleasure in reiterating those things at someone else. And I like, um, I, I'm sorry to say that I'm not a buff, at least in my head, doing that to other trans women.
1: Yeah, I, I think sometimes sometimes we forget that hatred is born of hurt, mm. in in my overwhelming experience. Um, yes. Yeah, and, and, you know, not. Not that this is a conversation about incels, but I think that's just another example of a community where most yeah. of these people that I, that I talk to, it's usually like there's some hurtful experience that happens to them, yeah. and then they start to hate the thing that hurt them, which unfortunately is part of being human. Um, yeah. And and what what do you? I mean, what is it? So it sounds like you're aware that you experience envy, and you sort of also have some mean thoughts. What's that Gorn, like for yeah. you to like see someone who's like 16 and has transitioned and, and I'm imagining it's, a miss the boat sort of kind of feelings that can, it's a very out. miss
2: the boat feeling. Like it's, there's this, there's this, this intense, like regret and longing and envy to have gotten what I missed. You know what I mean? I, th- I think that there's definitely an element of that. Um, and I, uh, you know, I try not to dwell on it because I know it's it's totally unproductive. I cannot go back in time. Like, uh, you know, it is much better to look forward and, and be grateful for what I do have and accept it. But it, all, it is also, you know, it's hard to entirely put it out of your mind.
1: Yeah, so oddly enough, um, Natalie, I'd, I'd play devil's advocate there for a second. Yeah. And I think part of the reason that those feelings linger is because you may not be... Dwelling on them enough, right? So, yeah. like, like I think that this is a really challenging tightrope to walk. But the balance between emotional processing and like wallowing in regret, whereas like yeah. you know, I I hear this thing a lot, and it sounds really positive, and I think generally speaking, it is. But it's not true peace, right? So if you say like, oh, like you look at that person and you have thoughts of like. You know, envy, and you have thoughts of regret, and then you kind of say, "Well, I should be grateful because at least I did it in my twenties, and and yeah. you know, I'm, I'm lucky enough to have done X, Y, Z, and maybe I don't live in, you know, a country that's less accepting of trans people, mm-hmm. and and so what happens is you take that negativity and you like, like push it down with positivity."
2: Yeah, and, yeah,
1: totally. And that that's adaptive, but I think what I've seen is that like then the negativity keeps cropping up, right? And and ultimately, what you want to do is is actually like accept that, you know, mourn, right, as, as opposed to regret, and and or even just accept that, regret and accept that this is your. I, I'm going to toss out a word, karma or karma. Like this is just your path in your life, and it's not going to be perfect. Um, but it got to be careful because I think a lot of times we try to squash negativity with positivity, especially if we're like. You know, pretty um, decent human beings, for lack of a better term.
2: I've heard, um, I mean, I've heard this term like toxic positivity thrown around to describe this like sort of refusal to engage with the negative mm-hmm. to the point where it becomes like almost damaging, and or, or it becomes damaging. Yeah, I was going to say not um, almost. Not almost. Yeah, it becomes damaging, and yeah, I do think that especially like. Because I have a, I am very conscious of the fact that, like, I can in tell. the grand scheme of things, like I am lucky and privileged beyond most trans people, and there's a sen- with that there's a sense of like, I have no entitlement to this petty, regretful, like, moping, you know, because I'm so lucky to have what I have. But it is true that it it,
1: it that, that does Wait, lead are, me to are, not. Are you? That sounds to me like toxic positivity. Yeah. <laughs> okay, maybe so. Because I, I think let me let me like, if I can just share something with you, Natalie. like so yeah, I think this is a really common problem. I mean, I think it's a problem. people disagree with me. So I, I think that like no amount of privilege or luck it
0: right.
1: ex- excuses suffering right like so like like Buddha and I think he was right about this sort of said that like human beings suffer it's like part of what we do and no matter how much you have we suffer and somewhere along the way like we started blaming people who are privileged for suffering and I'm not saying that like people who are privileged shouldn't appreciate it right so and this is really tricky because people sort of say like if I express suffering and I have some kind of privilege that I'm being ungrateful or you know you you tell yourself that that like I'm I'm entitled But I think you're allowed to suffer. And I think if you have privilege, you should use that privilege for the betterment of the world. But your individual suffering, like no amount of privilege, and we can see this because, you know, you can see a lot of people who are very successful and have a lot of money and things like that, who are clearly like distraught and bent out of shape and things like that, celebrities and, and, you know, political candidates, figures. they're,
2: They're told, there is this sense that like, once you make it to a certain level, like, well, you've lost your right to complain, <laughs> like, or, or, or you cannot possibly be suffering unless there's something sort of wrong with you, right? Like if you're, if you, if you have money and you have success and you're not happy, well, like you're ungrateful, you're spoiled, you are not aware of your privilege. And if you could just be aware of how lucky you are, then you would be happy, Um But yeah, I I found that not to be the case at all. I mean, the last year, like, this has been one of the hardest years of my life, to be be honest. And it's also uh, a a lot of things. Um, but, but, one, but certainly not a lack of like, you know, c- career success. Like I'm, i mean this is, I'm at the peak of this. I've never, you know, I'm, I'm, do- I'm doing financially very well. Like I'm doing uh, the, the views are just pouring. In. Thank you. <laughs> the views are just pouring in. Like I, I can count on a million views per video, which is like, it's wild. It's like, it's, it's a lot of views. but Most people are, are on, on this web, on this platform are longing to get that money. And it's like, I don't think I ever would have believed four years ago that having what I have now wouldn't have made me happier. It would just be unimaginable to think that all, having all these things I wanted, if getting them, wouldn't really make me happier. But it doesn't. And it's like, it's, it's hard to like, it's, I don't know if I can convince anyone of that. I feel like it's something you almost deceive for yourself. Um, and because I, because I, it's not like no one ever told me this. Like it's almost like platitudinous that like money doesn't buy happiness. Like we all say these things, but then when you when you, you you don't really believe them until you live them. And yeah. that's like that's kind of where I'm at.
1: So so mm, so many different places to go. So I'm going to give you three options yeah. that I'd love to talk yeah. about. Let me know if any feel okay to you. One is sure. I'm a little bit curious about. Um, what you think and feel when you watch older videos of yourself. Mm -hmm. The reason I feel like that's important is because I I hope, Natalie, that you can actually just be at peace with where you are. And I think the way to really get there is by confronting, you know, what you've stuffed down about the way that you look at yourself or the way that you think about yourself. That's one. Second thing, um, which maybe is a little bit more philosophical, is to think a little bit about, you know, where does happiness come from, right? So we do have these, plat- you know, these, like, platitudes. Um, is that pl- platitude? That doesn't feel like, is that the right word? Okay. okay. Um, About, you know, money doesn't buy happiness and sort of this idea. So then, like, where does happiness come from? And what can we understand about the nature of happiness, and the third thing that I find myself being curious about is you said that the last year hasn't been easy and I'm, I'm curious about what's been challenging for you because it sounds like from a professional standpoint, you're doing really well. You've quote unquote made it. Um, yeah. and, and so what do you, what do you think? Any of those kind of resonate with you or that? No, no, I
3: think they're
1: all pretty good. Uh, I think, I think, uh, yeah, let's we'll start with, um, sorry what was the first one the first one was like what do you see when what do you think of what do you think or what happens in your mind when you look at older videos of yourself
2: oh yeah so i just can't stand it like because i see someone you know at a much earlier stage of transition and like a lot of things are wrong is what i'm seeing like i'm seeing like Uh, you know, like, oh, God, like, I didn't know how to do makeup properly. It looks terrible. I, what am I wearing? Like, what kind of cringy, not understanding how to dress yourself as a woman thing is this? Like, what, I, I hear my voice, which at the time was much worse than it is now. I mean, when I was, you know, if you go way back, I had, like, a much deeper, much more masculine voice. And then there's also a lot of just deeply awkward stages along the way where, my voice, I'm trying to, I'm trying to sound more feminine, to sound more womanly. I'm not succeeding. It, that, that's my impression of it. It, it sounds like strained and, and false, you know? And it's like, there's already this, like, su- this, like ne- such like, negativity around trans women being like men trying to be women or men acting like women. That to, like, go back and see myself basically as that is very painful. You what know, hurts about it? Well, it's a, I guess it's, I'm at a point where I think of myself like, I don't think of myself as a man trying to be a woman. I think of myself as a woman with a male path. Um, and so to see myself like as almost this like caricature of what I don't want to be, of what people like I like to think what people mistakenly think trans people are. And I'm like literally seeing myself as that. Like, it's like, it just hurts because I see, I sort of take the gaze that people maybe see all trans people
1: as. And I literally am seeing myself that way. So, Interesting. Yeah. So what I'm hearing you say is that like, when you look at yourself from a couple of years ago, yeah, you see the negative stereotype of a trans yeah. woman. Exactly. You are the embodiment of what yeah. people n- negatively you're like you're you're uh you're the embodiment of the negative representation of a trans woman. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Have you ever seen this subreddit called Blunder Years? No. So it's 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 like a great place where people post like pictures of themselves, like usually during teenage years or <laughs> things like that. And, yeah. and you know, I guess it's a play on Wonder Years, but like the blunder years, like yeah. before you got to be where you are you know when you were transitioning um you know it's interesting because when i hear you talk about yourself the the closest thing that i can think of is actually like thinking about puberty yeah. and just how awkward I, puberty is i think that i think it has a lot of parallels to pu- puberty i mean
2: sometimes people in the trans you know trans world call it like second adolescence meaning that it's like a a period where similarly your body is changing, your identity is changing, yep. your social world is changing. And so in a lot of ways, you act like a teenager acts and you make mistakes that teenagers make. But I feel with this additional layer of being undignified by an older person doing it. And, you know, an older person who should know better, we think, right? And like,
1: That's the um, second part, by yeah. the way. Just, just sorry to interrupt, but like, (laughs) you know, so like you set a standard, like, so like you're allowed to blunder. Yeah. It's, it's when you say that you should know better, like you're not allowing yourself to go through a second puberty, you know?
2: With all that entails, including the awkwardness and the regret of your book (laughs) pictures. Right. Yeah. No, I think that's true. I think that like, I think that would help me a lot more if I could reach a point of compassion of seeing... This as like an awkward, like sort of pseudo adolescent period. Um, I guess what is the obstacle to that? Well, part of it is that most people don't transition, right? So there's not like a widespread cultural awareness and like relatability to like because everyone everyone can relate to looking back at your like 16 year old yearbook and being like, oh god, right? Because <laughs> I think most people kind of do, but but it's much harder to relate to like I don't know looking back at you at age 28 in your early transition stage, making all these terrible faux pas and like, and just like not
1: having it together. Yeah. So I I can see what you're saying about, you know, not having it relate to the common experience. Um, But in my experience, and there's a but there, right? So uh, Natalie, that I I think that relating to a common experience is a common mistake about like growth. Because I I think actually the more you look at your own growth, it sounds to me like you've grown immensely, and I think most of the growth that you've gone through has nothing to do with the common experience. In fact, it has been in spite of and separate from the common experience, which is your point exactly. Yeah. But what I'm saying is that if you can grow so much without sharing this, like you know, a common experience with other people, that common experience is not a necessity for growth. And in in my experience, it's actually like personal introspection that is the real answer, right? Like I can procrastinate and the rest of the world can procrastinate and I can feel validated and connected to other people because we all procrastinate. But ultimately, my journey against procrastination is one that I have to walk irrespective of what everyone else is doing. And so, you know, what I'm hearing is like, I just think that you've really got to think about why you judge yourself so harshly. Right. And where does that come from? When did that start?
2: Well, I think it's a product of being judged harshly by other people, like especially during those times when, like like I said, people are people don't pull any punches. They're very mean, like online. And like when you put yourself out there, especially on video, like there's not a lot of restraint that people have in terms of saying what they think about you. And so I feel like it's these series of experiences of like humiliation, I guess, and were, shaming.
1: Yeah. Were do you remember any experiences of like pretty strong humiliation or shame like even before the age of 18? Like even before you started to dabble in this kind of stuff?
2: Um well, I, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I can, um uh, I mean, I can remember, like, I, yeah, I was, I was, when I was, you know, early teenage years, I had, like, you know, a girlfriend, for whatever that meant at the time, you know, for two years, and, sorry, not two, for two months, Um, and, like, I remember, like, one of her reasons, like, for breaking up with me was this sense of, like, why can't you be normal? Like why, why are you wearing your hair like that? Why are you such a, why are you such a framing little like sissy, <laughs> you know? Like and and so there is there a sense of shame about that. There's a period where like I did try to be like more of like, a normal man. Um I think that when I was when I was like around in my early 20s, especially, I was like, I was giving it a real try. Um so I think all, I think that like the, sh- the first part of the shame was the shame about being like, I mean, at the time, like you know a, a male identified person or male like, so I'm just functioning as a man in society, but with this like sense of that it was wrong for me and this longing to do something else, but a thing that like you're very strongly discouraged from doing as a man right so I, I think that like there's a kind of like identity fracture at some point in here because now obviously i don't apply the standards of manhood to myself but there was a time when i actually did and i felt that you know so there, there was this kind of shame around that um and then when i transitioned you know that involved overcoming that shame to 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 sort of put myself out there as like no i'm actually a different person than you think i am and like it's a, it's a shameful thing that is not except socially acceptable, but like here, here it is. Um, so there was like this moment, I guess, of triumph then about of having overcome a kind of shame, but I feel that it was replaced in a way with an almost whole new world of shame, where it's like' you're, you know you go from shame from not being a good enough man to not being a good enough woman. Um, as people start so, judging you by different standards.
1: Yeah. So, so Natalie, this may be, you know, a touch academic. And, and mm-hmm. you know, I'd say that if you're interested, I don't know if you you see a therapist or, you know, have anyone that you can kind of co- confide or work through things. But if you don't, I think this is a great kind of thing to work through with someone. But, um, and maybe you already have. But I, I think that you got to be really careful there. So my understanding of of the mind comes primarily from, like yogic theory and like eastern conceptions Mm. of mind and i think that essentially what happens is you've got like this ball of shame which just changed clothing and the tricky thing there and i think this is why things don't get better is because so it totally makes sense that if people are toxic towards you on the internet like that's going to leave a mark and that's going to change the way that you talk to yourself completely agree actually after hearing your story i think that There is the the real red herring here is that you did triumph, but that there was a piece of it that was left over and like changed clothing. And then started to be like, but that toxicity actually lingered. And I suspect that it actually started way before your transition. I think I think it started with the way that you started to talk to yourself as these trans feelings, like so your lack of acceptance for who you are doesn't come from youtube i mean i know that youtube comments can be really impactful for people but i think you've been carrying that with you for a long time
2: no i think you're right about that i i think that you know i'm thinking back so i transitioned in 2017 that's when i, I started medically transitioning but like there was an earlier period where i considered it back in it was in 2014 and that you know I was living in Chicago at the time. I was kind of experimenting with the dressing more androgynously. I would go out with nail polish and like, you know, makeup on. And I I was I was sort of moving this direction that, that is like sort of typical of someone who's like moving towards a gender transition. But I can remember having experiences of like seeing other trans women who looked like me, like out in public, like on the subway. And having this strong reaction of like, you know, oh God, no, I can't be that. I do not want to be that. I can't look like that. This is not acceptable. And then like that shame causing me to like nail polish gone, makeup gone, get it together. Like we can't, I can't be that, you know, which is like a really ugly thing to think about someone else, right? Which a horrible thing to think about another trans woman, but it was not based, it was, it was, it was, it was sort of discussed with myself in another person in a way. Absolutely. Yeah, it was seeing like,
1: oh God, people are going to see me the way they see her. And like, I can't, I can't handle that. So I know this sounds bizarre, Natalie, but I I jotted down, I've been taking very few notes, but one of the things Uh that I jotted down is I wrote down the word "someone," And it's so interesting because when I actually asked you, what do you think when you look at videos of yourself from a couple of years ago? It's the first time I heard you use the third person talking about yourself. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like a tiny thing. And then you switched into first person, but like, it was a strange way because like, it's almost like, you know, the thoughts that you, the thoughts that come up when you look at old videos from yourself sound to me exactly like the thoughts that came up when you saw someone who was transitioning. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. It's absolutely that. It's like it's like I'm seeing like this shameful thing I see in others I see in myself. So I, it's almost like I don't know which came first. Was it me being sort of judgmental and transphobic towards other people or was it being judgmental and transphobic towards myself?
1: It's I don't not, know. Which so Natalie, first. this is a I'm going to take a shot in the dark. It's not yeah. transphobia towards other people. It's actually envy. I think at the yeah. root of this is your envy for the ugly person. Yeah, so cuz i think that like you saw those people and you saw them doing something that you thought was ugly and i think deep down you wanted to do it too sure yeah and and so i think there's more there than transphobia there's more there than revulsion there's i think as you mentioned right like like i think there's envy wrapped up in that that like i don't have the courage to be the ugly person that Maybe I should be. I don't have the courage to be ugly.
2: Yeah, I'm afraid. I, no, it is, it is that. It's like, I, I, it is a kind of, I guess, cowardice. Like, I can't, especially at yep. the time, like, it was like, I cannot handle the life this person is living.
1: Yep. Right. So, so, so um, I think yeah. th- that self-judgment doesn't come. I mean, so I think, you know, if you look at the internet, the internet mm-hmm. is going to call you many things, Natalie. But coward is not going to be one of them. Yeah, maybe not. (laughs) Right? So that sense of cowardice doesn't come from the outside. It comes from you. It comes from your own judgment about not doing this thing. And that's like regret is rolled into that too. Yeah. Right? Like, what do you regret that you weren't what? You weren't courageous. You didn't do it earlier. You didn't do it earlier, yeah. Right. And then you judge yourself for like not being courageous. Whereas like, I mean, you know, I don't mean this to be demeaning, but I think you were like, you like literally went through like a second puberty. Right. You went through a coming of age. You went through, I mean, you're a late bloomer. And I think this is something that uh, I think a lot of our community, like on Twitch and gamers and whatnot, like people who watch YouTube, like we hold ourselves to a certain standard of time. Like life is a race. And then we're falling behind.
2: And it's very biased towards like very young people yeah. because that's who's represented on these platforms.
1: Yeah. And, and we kind of look at all these people and and we like look at ourselves and we say like, Oh, I'm behind. And it's like, I I don't know how to stress this to you, Natalie, but because I think you understand this stuff. I think the interesting thing about the way the mind works is that you activate your mind, activates certain programming, which is not the Natalie that I'm talking to. It's like, a natalie from a couple years ago like these feelings are old they're not like current feelings it's kind of weird but you know it's like it's just like like opening up an old picture of yourself like looking at an old picture like that picture retains the age at which it was taken even though you Mm -hmm. can grow and change you have these things in your mind that are like relics of your past and when those things activate, you know, I think there's a lot of envy towards people who are more courageous. I think there's a lot of lack of acceptance towards yourself, which we kind of have been talking about. But I, I think what you've really got to think about, or what I would, you know, encourage you to read about or think about is just to really recognize that like, you were supposed to be quote unquote, abri. don't even steer clear of that. Right? Mm-hmm. That was just that's just what happens in puberty. Like, People start getting acne and their voice cracks. And like, it's just an awkward time that's part of your journey. And I yeah. think what keeps you from being happy today, and now we can maybe transition to <laughs> happiness, but is that like ultimately, you know, success and stuff is fantastic. I, I don't think that that doesn't contribute to your happiness. It's just that you're carrying these things from the past. And as long as you, you know, view yourself as a coward, as long as you, um, because you're very self-aware, incredibly insightful, incredibly insightful, very aware of your internal process. You're really gifted in that way. And and um, I, I mean, I think you have to be to transition, right? Like you've got to really dig in there and see, like, oh wow, this gender is not what I feel like as a person. Um, but I, I think it, until you sort of work on that stuff, I I, I think happiness is gonna be around the corner. Unfortunately, which doesn't mean that you can't enjoy things and you can't be happy, but that old hurt you're gonna carry with you.
2: Yeah, I think. Well, I guess it's the thought of it. I had a thought before that, like, if I could be, if I could find like some kind of love for that person that I'm like, so urgently feel, feel, feeling we need to distance myself from, um, then I think it would. I think I would have a more peaceful must my my mind um because it is kind of a burden to feel i mean especially because like as a youtuber like like i'm never gonna to me it feels like a ball and chain like my own path feels like a ball and chain that i'm dragging around because i made the what what i think is like ridiculous decision to to transition with the camera on and it's like oh why did i do that. Why did why would I put myself in this position now where I'm sort of because online it's like time is it's like frozen. People, it's frozen, yes. It's like it's like like people perceive you as this like four dimensional like like uh you know ever present person where the past is just as immediate as the present because they can just you know you can watch my video from three years ago and there it is right on your screen you're gonna hear my voice you see my face it's like that person is there still
1: um so so yeah Natalie I have a pseudo meditative exercise for you which I think could okay. be challenging and painful but I think could help yeah. you a lot. You want to okay. give it a go? Sure. Okay. So, this is what I'm going to ask you to do. Okay. I'm going to walk you through it and then you're allowed to say, Hey, I actually don't want to do that. Okay. Uh So, so here's so when you look at pictures of yourself or videos of yourself, you know, you react a particular way. Totally fine. You know, you think certain things about yourself and you sort of externalize them, like you sort of turn it into, but you think certain things about yourself. I can't believe I was like that, whatever. So that's a very selfish way of thinking, right? Because when you look at yourself, you're thinking like, oh, I'm so dumb. By, by selfish, or maybe self-centered or self-focused is a better way to think about it. All of your thoughts are about you. And that can be hard to develop compassion when you're just kind of thinking about you. So what i like to try to do, I've never really done this before, but hopefully it'll work. Maybe it'll help. Maybe it'll be a complete train wreck. Is I want you to, when, as you watch that video, what I want you to do is, first of all, notice those things right and notice that those are thoughts about yourself or maybe someone else is a little bit clear but then i want you to ask yourself one question as you watch that person and that is or maybe you can just tell us not so much about what that person is doing right or wrong but what does that person need
2: Mm -hmm.
1: right what is were you calling yourself natalie back then
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Right. So like, think about like, what did that person like need more than anything else in the world? Like, what is that person's experience of life in that moment? You know, and, and really try to like, put yourself back in those shoes instead of judging it, try to be empathetic. And just like, what, like, as you look at that, that image of yourself, and you guys can do this to anyone who's watching, right? If you regret something or you judge yourself to like, go back and and try to think about, you know, if you could go back in time and actually have a conversation with that person from three years ago, what would you say to them? And if the hypothetical is enough, we can talk about it. otherwise, I would encourage you to actually pull up an image of yourself and look yeah. at it and watch what happens.
2: Well, I think, like on the top of my head, without even looking, i mean i I feel that what I just needed was like. I just needed time, like I needed time to make those mistakes and time to like work on the things that needed to be worked worked on, and like you know, I I know it's gonna things are gonna be okay now, but it's like and at the time I just needed the I just needed the experience to to learn how to how to sort of become a more comfortable uh, self that's not this kind of like person who's sort of straining
1: to be what i couldn't yet be right so so like if i were to tell you natalie i'm gonna try to pretend to be you from three years ago and i'm gonna say i'm trying this stuff out and i feel really really dumb about myself because when i look at myself in the mirror i'm ugly yeah i don't know who i am but i know it's not this what would you say
3: Uh,
2: well, I'd say, look, like, first of all, like, you're not that ugly. <laughs> like, it's really not worth worrying about it. But, like, also more to the point, like, you know, I understand that you're not happy with who you are and you're trying to be someone else. But, like, the way this works is you, you have to, you can't try to become someone else. You have to learn how to become. You have to learn how to express yourself. And I know sometimes it feels like, okay, but I'm transitioning. So shouldn't I be trying to get away from, you know, this thing that I used to be that I don't want to be. And it's like, in a sense that's true, but also I think that, you know, doing it by forcing it is sort of, I don't know, uh, it's making things worse (laughs) than it would be if you had a more relaxed attitude towards this and like weren't trying to sort of rush it so much because in some ways i thought yeah
1: but if i had started earlier like i went through like a male puberty yeah and so because of the testosterone like my jaw is bigger now i've developed all these secondary characteristics like Mm. I, i mean you're telling me that i shouldn't force it but like I'm telling you that I should have forced it a long time ago. How so? Well, because if I started this process earlier, like I wouldn't be in this situation. I wouldn't be awkward now.
2: Yeah. Well, that's also true. That I, you know, if I had to, if I had done this, you know, earlier, then I, I could have sort of gotten myself together faster. And I wouldn't have such a long
1: period of, of
2: like past that I feel is like
1: and alienated from. So great. So I don't know if you noticed, but that's exactly what you should do. So I think we just flipped. I think we hit the barrier. I don't know if Twitch chat is going to understand this. Maybe it's just all in my head. So like, I think you did a fantastic job of talking to yourself. The message that you sent to yourself is exactly what you should be thinking. And, and yeah. right. Like I just go back and like, watch this later. But like, that's not what you say to yourself, but it's exactly what you need, need to hear. And it's exactly how you need to talk to yourself, which is not dismissing the negativity. It's just saying, hey, this takes time and you're going to have to figure it out and it's going to be a bumpy ride. Yeah. Right. That's what you told yourself. But those aren't the thoughts that you actually have when you look at a picture. But now what I want you to do is the next time you look at a picture of yourself from a couple years ago, See those two conflicts, right? Just like your philosophy degree, where you take the other side and you try to sit in it. Now you've got both sides of the argument and just swim in those waters. I don't know how else to put it to you, Natalie. Just swim in that space. I have faith that given your degree of self-understanding, given your analytical capability, and given your earnestness, for lack of a better term— If you just give your mind and your brain the opportunity to swim around in those thoughts and feelings, you're going to come out fine. And then what happened is I asked you about the regret, and then you had trouble talking to yourself in the right way, right? So like, then you started like going back to your standard thought pattern. I don't know if that makes sense, but I've never heard you talk about the old you in the way that you did during this exercise. Um, but I think we hit the border of kind of where your exploration is and like where your compassion is and where your empathy is. Does that make sense to y'all? Like, I don't, I don't know, but anyway, does that make sense to you?
2: I th- well, I think in a sense, yeah, because it's like the more compassionate, I guess, I guess response is like I was doing my best at the time no, maybe
1: that's not good enough on my standard now, but it's like. Stop. Time out. So so now you're intellectualizing. That's not what you were doing earlier, right? Now you can, because you're fucking smart, Natalie. So you can come up with logically what the right answer is. But logically, the right answer is not actually empathy or compassion. Yeah. The way that you were talking to yourself was not a logical conclusion about what this person needs to hear. It's an empathic connection. It's like, a fuck, I know what it's like to be there. And, and friend, yeah. you just need time, right? It's not the, yeah. it's absolutely the right answer, but it's coming from, once again, like, you know, it's not coming from the outside. It's coming from within. And so I don't care about what compassionately, what you should say to yourself, right? Because you can't say that to yourself yet. But yeah. you, I think you clearly, I mean, at least to me, you've made progress today. I don't know if that makes sense, but sorry. I think for you. I
2: think, no, I think it's. I mean, honestly, like, uh, I think a lot of this has been like more helpful than a lot of actual therapy I've been to. Like, I think, that, <laughs> I, like, like, I, I mean, I think you're doing good. I think, I think that, um, uh, like, we've I we've zeroed in pretty quickly on some things that are like the major problems. Um, I will say, like, I guess that another, I guess maybe something that that holds me back somewhat is like because of the public nature of this. Even if I feel that even if I can sort of form a kind of compassion for that past self, I sort of feel the way that I was judged at the time. And there's this fear that I'm going to be continuously judged now for the way I was then because of this,
1: this like 4D, like, you know, time, eternity that we have. But Natalie. Okay, so now I'm going to talk logically and I'm going to express a little bit of frustration, but I'm not frustrated at you. I'm frustrated with the part of you that does this to yourself, okay. so the reason that you're afraid that the rest of the world will judge you that way is because you judge yourself that way.
2: Uh, well, I do, but, but also other people do.
1: Yeah, absolutely, right? But yeah. like the thing is, is that like, I don't know how else to say this, but if it's if you're on the same team with the toxicity of the internet, you're going to fucking lose. Yeah. Yeah, well, that, you that need to the be on your it, yeah. team. They can say yeah. whatever the fuck they want to. Yeah. But the cool thing is just like if Natalie three years ago had you as a sister supporting her, she would be in a completely different place. Yeah. And I can tell you that your ability to stand against the toxicity of the internet is going to be transformed if you can stand with yourself. Yeah. You're damn right. You're right because you're fucking smart and that's half your problem. That they will continue to hate on. The question is, do you want to join them? Well,
2: that is the problem, isn't it? Because I feel that so many times I have essentially joined in. Yes. with those People like I take their voice into my own head and it becomes like part of me and it becomes
1: my own perspective. Yeah. So I think I'm you've got to be careful yeah. a little bit about where you're giving credit. You said you take their voice into your own head, which you do, but yeah. you had that voice before they did. That's, That's true. Yeah. Right. So be careful. That's there. True, yeah. And so if we're thinking about your agency and empowering you, it starts with the acceptance that this voice is not sure. They reinforce that. They fan the flames. They threw fertilizer on it, like call it whatever you want to. I'm not saying that that's positive, but I think you have way more power in the way that you look at yourself than the internet does.
2: Yeah. Well, that's, that should be true. <laughs> should, uh, I mean, I, I guess it is, it is technically true because internet. The, you know, then there's a limit to how powerful the internet can be in, in infecting me but uh yeah it's like was a question is like how how, where i'm gonna find that compassion um because i i sort of had an awareness for a long time that like this is this this is something that's missing it's it's something that i feel like if i could if i could find this if i could create this i would be much stronger and i would have a lot more fun online frankly because yeah all this all this awfulness coming directed at me I mean, could be sort of just brushed off as the sort of amusing, r- ridiculous nonsense that it is. Um, the like, the weird hate obsession that other people have is that th- that is simply not my problem, right? Um, it's, it's a question of like, how, I just can't seem to quite get to the point where I genuinely don't care, and when where
1: there's not still this part of me that's on their side. Yep. So so. Well said. Okay. So like, here's your quote unquote answer. So the first thing is that you did it today. I'm pretty sure I heard compassion come out of you that was not there before. And Mm -hmm. I think it's the way that, and so I'd say just go back and like evoke those feelings and then just ask yourself, pretend that you're you're your own older sister. yeah, Right. And like, how would you talk to your, how would you talk to that person who's stuck in time? Now you're sort of lucky because like that person is still preserved, right? So you can like actually kind of go back in time and like talk to them. I think that literally that exercise towards yourself. So like, I'd say like another thing you can do is imagine that time that you had, you know, nail polish on and like you went and you saw someone on the subway who was like one of these ugly transsexuals. Yeah, and and just like you know, just just walk yourself through and like listen to the way that you thought about your like you you thought about that person. Try to explore that feeling, and then like talk to yourself now, right? And and that gets more complicated. That's the barrier, by the way. We we hit that barrier, and you can see it if you go once again go back and watch the vod. There's the, there was a new thinking, and then I saw the old thinking kind of crop up. Um, yeah. And so you just got to, I mean, you got to work at it, right? So I'd say like, just, just learn how to talk to yourself. So you're going to, you're going to figure out, you know, level one, you can talk to yourself from three years ago, level two, maybe five years ago. You just have to practice. The second thing, oh fuck, something else. Oh yeah. The second thing is that I, I think just in general, the more that you can accept that you were a toxic asshole. And the more that you can accept that just like all the other toxic assholes on the internet, your toxicity actually comes from hurt. It doesn't come from you being a bad person. And the more, because right now what happens is you judge yourself for being the asshole, right? You're like, oh, I used to be bad like that and I try not to and stuff like that. What Mm -hmm. I want you to do is, is follow that, pull on that thread back to its source hurt. And once you find that source hurt, then you can express compassion towards it. I think the reason you can't be compassionate towards yourself is because I don't think you've tracked back to the actual wound. Mm. So follow the thread of hatred back to the wound. Just like incels, right? Like, go back to that rejection. And like, yeah. like then, then you can be compassionate if you know, like, what hurts. Yeah, I think um, you don't know how to kiss the boo boo because you don't know where the boo boo is.
2: Yeah, I I think it's it's hard to place exactly like where it starts. It's more of a damn right it is. Yes, it's. Yeah. Uh, Like a couple of things come
1: to mind, but I don't know, like, I don't know what the origin is exactly. Yeah. So, but Natalie, that's what you've got to explore, right? And this is the thing, it doesn't have a origin. So if you get a chance to go back and watch, if I have a video about some scars, you should just go back and watch that. But the thing is each of these, so that hurt, it's, that's actually the beautiful answer. That makes me more optimistic. So the way, so I think what's, what's going on, this is a scar. So scar is a Sanskrit word that means a ball of undigested emotion or an emotional trauma. And essentially what happens is that we carry around this ball of undigested emotion with us. And every experience that we have that sort of relates to it grows the size of that emotional trauma. And so when you're saying, I don't know where it starts, the way that you fix it is by going through each of those. The more things that you can think of, conversely, actually, the easier it's going to be to heal because each of those needs to be processed. Sort of with me? I'm going to give you an example in a second. Yeah, yeah. Let's so if if, if if we think about, like, let's say I have a phobia of dogs, right? Like that phobia of dogs starts with one dog biting me. And then what happens if I get bitten again? What happens to my phobia? Is it confirmed? Confirmed, right? Yeah. And then if I get bitten a third time, fourth time, fifth time, the more experiences I can think of of dogs biting me, the greater the emotional trauma is. And so interestingly, if you can think of a handful of things, then you need to go back and talk through each of those, right? We think like, okay, that first time that dog bit you, it actually didn't bite you. The second time, this happened. The third time, this happened. And you go back and you process each of those. And then, Natalie, you'll feel, the, it, you'll do it. It's actually, I, I can't, I feel really optimistic for you. Because if you can already think of a bunch of things, that's because each of those things relates to that scar right? Why does your mind think of like, like if I say the word sushi and your mind thinks about six different kinds of sushi, that's because it's all related to that core concept. Mm -hmm. So I'd say if you've done therapy, you know, go through each of those experiences and really think about what hurt about this. Where does my anger come from? And track them back and then you'll find this ball of like amorphous, relatively undigested emotion, that sprouts and pokes through the ground in several places. But just because you see a lot of different shoots doesn't make your life harder. It actually makes your life easier. Yeah. Well,
2: uh, I can say, yeah, I, I guess. Could, could you think you could describe to me like, what it would look like to process like, an individual one of these incidents? So,
1: sure. So yeah. give me an example. What's one of the things that you, you thought about?
2: Um, well, okay, this is, like, not not necessarily one of the earliest, but I guess sometime, what it was the first six months or seven months of my transition, I can recall, like, basically, like, going into a restaurant and, like, trying to get a table and having them just, like, straight up laugh at me and be, like, lol, like, this, like, like, this is like a crazy cross dresser. <laughs> like I forget what exactly what they said, but it but it was um you know, so there's that or there's like there's like the time. Well hold on a second. Okay, oh, good. good, good, good. Yeah. Sorry, keep going, keep going, sorry. Like another time I was walking down uh the street and like early on and like some guy like it was a guy who was following me and Sorry, this is like a little bit explicit, <laughs> but, but he just came up right behind me and said, would you mind if I sucked your dick? <laughs> like, what is the point of that except to make him make it, to, to, he wants me to know that he knows that I'm trans and also he wants me to feel degraded about it. Uh, okay. I don't know why he said that. It's a weird thing to say, but I completely agree. But, but, like, there's a couple experiences, like, 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 a bunch of experiences like that, where it's, like, well, people, like, there's sort of people, they want me to know that they know that I'm trans. They don't want me to get away with thinking that, I'm, that people see me as a woman. And they also, like, want me to feel bad about it. And they succeed at that.
0: <laughs> okay.
3: Can I think for a second? Yeah, yeah. So if people are wondering, that's the
1: samskar. Hmm. So it's this this whole... Okay, so let's just look at something logically for a second, okay? And I'm, I'm going to try to unpack something, but like, it's okay. You don't have to, I'm going to point out logical inconsistencies. I don't want you to defend them because I think that's a sign that we're moving in the right direction. So the guy who walks up to you and says, do you want me to suck your dick?
2: Yeah. And then
1: you say, he wants me to feel dot, 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 dot. And then like, literally yeah. you hypothesize two reasons why he did that. And then yeah. in the literally in the next sentence, you're like, I have no idea why someone would say that. Yeah, well, I just think it's a weird way of of getting that, those things across. <laughs> well, well, but so that's the thing is I don't know where you get the idea of what he was trying to get across. So you may have some insight that I don't have, and I'm I'm sure you do, right? Because you've been on the receiving end of a lot of these interactions. Yeah. But I think it when you say they don't want me to get away with it, I think yeah. that's like. Natalie, do you think you're getting away with it? Get away with what? You tell me, what were you referring
3: to? Well, I guess.
2: Nice to talk. To what I feel is that they're trying to do is that they're kind of trying to humiliate me by making sure I know that they are clocking me as like a transgender person you know what i mean like hey like no one sees you as you know i don't see you as a woman like just say so you no. Know, do like, you see yourself you know? as a woman natalie uh well i, I kind of go back and forth I kind of um
1: there it is yeah right so like i don't think i mean i could be wrong right so you've dealt with more toxicity towards transgender people than i have mm-hmm. you know sucks for you and so you probably have a better understanding of what's in their head than I do. But yeah. I'm going to go out on a limb and say, you're really, frankly, could be projecting a lot yeah. of their motivations. Because when I ask you, because like, here's, here's the f- crazy thing, right? That's the fucking samskar. As you said, they don't want me to get away with it. And I ask you, Natalie, are you a woman? And the way I'm going to interpret your answer is that I really want to be, but I'm not sure that I'm getting away with it.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think that. Well, so I, I see what you're saying, and that I do think that, like, if I was like 100% confident, I know who I am. Like, I know that I'm a woman. Like, nothing anyone else thinks can change that. Then this would not bother me to the extent that it does, right? Precisely. It's
1: the fact that it's picking at what is already an insecurity. Exactly. Right. That's the sum scar. So that's why, yeah. when a random person who, you know, who knows what the fuck he was thinking, because I mean, it sounds like a real perv. But when yeah. when you can take and granted, you can assume some things about you know, what they're thinking. But like, I think generally speaking, like that behavior is so far outside the norm that I would conclude that you can't actually like your capacity to imagine what that person is thinking is actually quite low. I mean could be different for you but but i think what happens well, is ambiguous ambiguous interactions small interactions short interactions like you walking in and they them laughing like do you even know that they were laughing at you i know it sounds like a crazy question
2: well sometimes you're not really sure but sometimes. but sometimes sometimes like it's they're looking at you in a way that it's like it seems like that they could be laughing at you for some
1: other reason but but like what else would it be exactly right so so i, I think yeah. so that, that's the thing is i you, once again natalie i'm hopeful because you're insightful this is your insecurity it's not coming from other people so then the question the, now we have to go to the root of it is like like where when did you start to think that you wouldn't get away with it
2: um well i guess what do we mean by getting away with it as in like your passing. language yeah, so okay. I, I guess part of what I'm talking about here is like, is like passing as a woman, like having other people see me and, and just pick up. A, okay, that's a woman, you know. Uh, I guess to me, well, especially this the the, the perv example, like because because like some people perv on me just the way that they perv on any woman, you know, and that doesn't bother me to the same <laughs> extent because it's like because it's like well, yeah, because you're that. passing. Right, that's what they do, but like they do that to all, to to most women, or to a lot of women, and so it's like okay, it's not the greatest thing, but it also doesn't really needle me in the same way. But it was the way this guy did it specifically as a reference to the fact that I'm trans. Yeah, you know what I mean. And so it's part part of, I guess, in a way, part of the pain is like it's regardless of the fact that, regardless of 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 what he was trying to do, what he said is still
1: revealing that, like, he got me, you know? You <laughs> yeah. Know? So, so, like, so yeah. But, but, so I, I think that he can only get you if you don't, yeah. if you're hiding something. Yeah. Right? Well, so I, yeah.
2: It's true that, like, it, and I think that this is an area where I've made some progress. Like... Friend, you made a lot of progress. You're allowed... I'm allowed to be a trans woman. And part of that is I'm allowed to look like a trans woman. Absolutely. Um, and like, for for a while that seemed like so unacceptable. It was like, no, like if I look like a trans woman, like this is failure. Like this is like equivalent to looking like ugly and unlovable, blah, 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 blah. blah, blah. Like, and so it, it became this whole painful thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Th- 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 but I mean, that's what, th- that's it. Natalie. Yeah. So like, it's like going back in time and like examining those thoughts, the thoughts of, I feel like a failure. Right. So, and I I think, I think you're right. You've come a long way, but the, the problem is that like, even though you've learned how to make a really delicious dinner, you still have, you haven't taken out the trash from the failed attempts before.
0: Right.
1: Right. And so I think that there's still a lot there about like what you need to accept yourself as. And and I, you know, maybe I'm rubbing people the wrong way here, but like, I think you've got to accept yourself as who you are, which is a trans woman, which like, I mean, maybe this is offensive and please let me know if it is. But like, if you are holding yourself up to a beauty standard that involves two X chromosomes. Yeah. That's just like a battle that's going to be hard to win and even if you do win it someday which i hope you do and great for you you still can't really it's like just not fair to beat yourself up for like losing all of the attempts until you know someone injects you with a virus that replaces your y chromosome with an x chromosome or something like that and then you're like you know like like i mean you are who you are right yeah. And, and for a long time. And I think that's sort of the antidote to it. But I think you still have to t- take out the trash, which is to go back to all those times where you were hunting. Right. Mm-hmm. You were expressing yourself. At first, you were hiding a woman in a man's body and you were hiding it being a man. Right. right. And then your girlfriend dumped you because you weren't masculine enough. Right. <laughs> and so so like you've been hiding your entire life. And I think it just goes back to like each of those experiences and talking those through. Yeah. Right, processing them and recognizing that I've been trying to hide who I am for way longer than I'm pretending to be a woman. I don't, I don't mean that offensively, but like I think I'm putting myself in your shoes because I think you sometimes still think that you are pretending to be a woman.
2: Yeah, no, I I agree with that with that, or at least that I'm pretending to be like I'm I'm I sort of I'm getting this great sense of security from the idea that people are just perceiving me as like a biological woman. Yep. You know what yep. I mean? Like that people are not noticing any transness about me. Is it like this great sense of comfort? And like I do still have this experience where like, okay, so here's something that happens time to time. Like if I meet a new person, like and they don't know what I do, they don't know anything about me. Everything seems to be going well. And then they ask like, oh like what's your like what was your job? And I'm like uh, I do internet media. <laughs> they want to know, okay, explicit. I'm like, okay, I'm a YouTuber. And they say, what's your channel about? Oh, you have to tell me so I can Google it right now. And then, like, I'll tell them. And then as they Google my name, I will just, like, like I can feel my face get, like, hot with the shame of knowing that they're what they're about to find out.
1: Yeah. So that's coming from you, friend. Yeah. It's not coming, I mean, as much as those toxic assholes on the internet think that they have power over you, like, I just don't think, I mean, sure, they can hurt you, don't get me wrong. But, like, that's the shame, that is, like, it's the anticipatory shame of them knowing. Yeah. Right? And you're right, because it's security. But, like, this is, this. it goes back to courage, Natalie. Yeah. Security is about, like, hiding from them something about yourself. Because you're afraid, like, why is that secure for you? Because you're afraid of what they'll see and how they'll react. And like, yeah. why is that? And and like, that's because it goes, I think that goes back to like how you used to react. Yeah. What you see in them is like, yeah. and And so I think it's like, it's, like, I mean, I don't know how to say this, but it's all this crap. Like we can't, unfortunately we can't do it all today. But I think these are the threads you've got to run down, right? Like your own toxicity towards other people, the way that you used to judge them, because that's the way you judge yourself. Yes. It's it's about like learning that you're going to be a trans woman for the rest of your life.
2: Yes. And I, I don't... Yeah, yeah it, no, that's it, like, that's something that I recently have like, it's kind of, because I'm, you know, I'm what, like, almost three and a half, something like that years into medical and social transition. And, like, I, I, I'm at a point where I sort of dispelled this illusion, I guess, from earlier on. Earlier on, it, it, there's, there's almost a delusion that takes hold. Of, it's like, oh, I'm going to get to the end of this, and
1: I'm just going to be a cis woman. But it's like, no, I'm not. Like, so, I'm kind of at the, yeah. So, so here's here's the problem, right? So, like, I'm not an expert in political theory or sociology. If I say something that's offensive, I apologize. Here's what I see as a problem, and you're welcome to think I'm wrong. If you don't accept yourself as a trans woman, you are placing a value on cis women over trans women. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Right. And so that's, I think, the basic problem is that like you are valuing something above yourself that you will never be. Yeah. And impossible. Thing. And then you're confused why, despite your material success, you are unhappy. Yeah right (laughs) well yeah and and so like natalie like it, it comes to like accepting who you are and accepting that you know like there are a lot of parts of you that are ugly and you hate yourself and whatever but like i think you've got to go back and and just i mean that's the thing until you accept yourself for who you are right and you can still like want to be more feminine but once again it's like that has to come from you and that has to come from like forward momentum it's like you're like the person who wants to lose 50 pounds and has lost 30 pounds and you're beating yourself up because you still need to lose 20 more like it's going to be a journey yeah and i don't think at least in this life you're ever going to be a cis woman we'll see but the thing is i don't think that there's a problem with that yeah right i think it's like if you think there's a problem with that that's on you but if you think it's a problem with it, that's not something that's ever going to, I mean, maybe medical, like, who knows, right? We well, I
2: feel that it's like, I feel that it's something I sort of just, I mean, there are trans women who kind of say like, oh, I'm not even trans anymore. I've had all the surgeries, like blah, blah, blah. Like, but I don't, I think that I don't quite agree with that. I think that like, there's no erasing who, where you come from. And I guess, I guess. But boy, I, I Natalie, that- do you try. Yeah, well, sure, I do. Especially, I mean, like not all the time. I don't try all the time. I'm like aware that online, like, and, like gonna, come on, the, the game is up. People know that I'm trans. Like, but but it's true that that like offline, I do try to keep people from knowing. Okay, a lot of the time, and yeah, like so... yeah, go for it. Sorry. And I guess on some level, I I there's also a regret almost at the time on the internet. It's like well. I might have had a chance to just kind of blend in and just not have to deal with any of this if I hadn't made this so public.
1: Yeah. So the regret is once again about the security. It's about the mask. Your regret yeah. is that like you let people know who you are. Yeah. If your regret would have won, you would be living a life that is inauthentic and you'd be happy and uh, unhappy anyway. That's true. Yeah. It's hard to really, but like you've got to just swim in that shit.
2: Yeah, well, I know, like for some trans people, like they, like they call it's called um like we call it like living stealth, which is when you're living, uh, you're not out as as trans as people around you. People just think that you know if you're trans woman, people just think you're a woman. They don't know about your trans history. Um, so I think part of the I think because I've heard from a lot of people who live that way that it actually kind of eats away at them in its own way because they're keeping this major part of them with from yeah. other people. I think part of my issue is that I never have lived like stealth, except in these like little isolated incidents where I'm like, I'm enjoying the fact that I've just met this person and they don't seem to know yet, you know? Um, But like, I, I think that because I don't have that experience of living as stealth, I guess I feel like, I don't know, I wish I had like at least more of that. And maybe if I did have more of that, then I would realize that it's not that great and I wouldn't care, you
1: know? So Natalie, I, I, you know, this may be, I don't even know what the statement is going to do. I didn't realize you were a trans woman when I watched your YouTube video. I don't know yeah. how that's going to affect you. Like, how does that make you feel if I tell you that? I love it. <laughs>
2: <Are> you- <laughs> I, know I'm supposed,
1: I know I'm not supposed to love it, but it makes me feel really good. Okay, so, so forget about what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Like why, like I'm telling you, to, to you know, so you can look at yourself and like yeah. what feels satisfied?
2: Well, it feels like, um, I guess it, it,
1: it feels like you saw me the way I, I kind of want to be seen. Okay. And now I know you're a trans woman. Yeah. How do you feel? Uh,
2: I mean, I, it's fine. <laughs> Most people know, but like, but I guess it's um, it does. I feel ch- change a little bit. I feel like it must change. What's it must change how you see me somewhat.
1: Look at my face. What do you see? What do I think about you? Oh, well, I don't know. <laughs> Try. I mean, you invited me on your show. <laughs> Sure. Please. Couldn't maybe me that much. But, but I, I didn't know you were trans when we invited you on our show.
2: Yeah. Uh, well, I guess...
1: Natalie, look at my face and tell me what, you, what I think about it. What do you see in my face?
2: Um, well, I, I, think, I think you're interested and, and you care
1: what I have to say. Okay, good. Both true. Anything else? Yeah, Um, I mean, okay.
2: You don't seem like you don't you don't seem to be disgusted.
1: What do you think about that? Um, it's nice. Yeah. So when you say something must have changed, what must have changed?
2: Well, I guess it comes from this fear that like. If people know that I'm trans, they're going to like recategorize me as, like, okay, Craig, like, I don't know, some kind of an abnormal deviant instead of just, <laughs> and we're trying to know, like, why well, do I don't care so much about people who think I'm an abnormal
1: deviant? I am an abnormal deviant. Like, I don't, I don't know.
2: I don't know. Yeah. Why you weird, care like, so much? Stri- because,
1: because, like, it yeah. comes from you, man. Yeah. And hopefully that's not offensive. Especially-
2: <laughs> i just don't know i just don't know like i don't know i honestly don't understand why i have this like conformist streak that comes out about
1: this particular issue when a lot of other ways i'm not really that conformist yeah so like like here's the thing natalie you are a complicated bundle of all kinds of shit some of it good and some of it bad and i accept all of it Hmm. whatever There's a part of you that's a toxic asshole, fine. There's a part of you that's brilliant and a good teacher, fine. There's a part of you that's a trans woman, fine. There's a part of you that's just a woman. Without cis, without trans, without anything else, fine. But you're you. Yeah. And like, every part of you that I've seen I think is great. Right? Like, you're just you. And like, you keep on doing you. And don't worry about like, you know, like, it, like, cause when I tell you, like when we explore my understanding of whether you're trans or not, it like, it comes from your head because you've been talking to me the whole time. I've known you're trans uh, sort of the whole time. Right. But it's like, even when I share with you, like, so y- you've had a particular impression of me, but when we start talking about my beliefs about whether you're trans or not, this whole other complex arises in your mind. Do you see that? Yeah. Yeah. Whereas Ugh. we've been talking for like two hours and like, I mean, I don't know if it's been there or not, but I haven't noticed it until now, which is like it's just weird. It's a whole separate thing.
2: You mean it's like my preoccupation
1: with like how you're seeing me or how yes. you're yes. Yeah. Right? And yeah. I I turn that switch on by telling you I didn't know you were trans. Yeah. Whereas we've just been two humans talking about shit for the last two hours and like it's been fun for me hopefully it's been fun for you yeah and then all i have to do is i have to tell you i didn't know you were trans because i really i i don't know and then as soon as that like a switch turns on in your mind and this whole complex opens up but like that's just like some weird psychological conditioning or a scar. it's not anything to do with reality does that make sense
2: yeah I, i mean no it does i think i think that this this question of like whether I'm being perceived as trans or whether I'm being perceived as a woman or what am how I'm being perceived is like, I mean, it's maybe not as bad as it used to be, but for so there was, a, there was years where this was a, just a constant
1: preoccupation, and so it's very easy to like re-enter that state of mind. You're damn right like, it is. Yeah, that is yeah. the sum scar. So each of those moments that you remember, right, you got to talk those through with someone, and I don't know if you. I don't know how much emotional processing you've done since you asked me, how do I do that? But I suspect a little bit. So your tools are going to be like going back, thinking through that, trying to talk to yourself like your older sister. You may evoke compassion, maybe like a shortcut to find what you needed to tell yourself and how to practice self-compassion, which I think everyone can do. Like One tool is just pretend that you're the older version of yourself. I mean, yeah. you know, and just going back in time. And the third thing, and I, I I, kid you not, Natalie, is just noticing is enough to transform. This is the biggest like mis- misunderstanding of the largely Western world, is that we think that doing something enacts change. Whereas the yogis in the East say awareness of something is sufficient to change it. Hmm. And so I'd say, just notice these thoughts, notice, notice, notice. And when you explore, why do we say explore? Why do we say emotionally process? We are bringing things up from your mind for you to notice. And that is what emotional processing is. It's kind of really bizarre, but like, you know, if you tell someone, Hey, you know, I just lost a loved one. And that person says to you, Hey, I'm sorry, that sucks. Is that person alive? Now that they express, but like, but why do you feel better? They didn't do anything, right? All they did is acknowledge yeah, they you're noticed good. your hurt, and that in and of itself is sufficient to reduce it. It's crazy, but that's how it works. So that's my recommendation to you.
2: I think that's maybe kind of part of the hope and part of the motivation for making the, like the more personal videos that I do is like this, this feeling that like, oh, if I can share, if I can make other people see the pain that
1: I'm in, that will be some, it will some, in some way relieve part of it. Yeah. So I, makes sense to me, but I think this goes back to something you said at the very beginning of the interview, which is that you're a confession mm-hmm. junkie. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And I I don't think it's about sharing with the rest of the world. I think it's the reason that feels good. Like why does confession is because you're noticing it, right? Like you're accepting it. You're bringing it to the surface. You're not hiding it. You're not masking it. You're not stealthing anything.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You're just being with it. And then it gets easier, which is like, I think anthropologically, like probably one of the reasons that if you look at like a, you know how confession and things like that evolved. that probably has something to do with that. Mm-hmm. Questions? Well, I know like
3: um, I guess a lot of teenagers are
2: are kind of like bullies and then come to like later regret or feel horrible about having been bullies. Like I've talked to a lot of people, like that. like they look back on their teenagers and they say like, "Oh, I was awful to people. But it came from this space of like, of being hurt themselves and kind of, I don't know, preferring to like be on the side of the person doing the hurting or something for once. Uh, I guess.
3: Sorry, I forgot where I was going with this. What Take was the question second. you asked me? Huh? What was the question? What was the question you asked me? I just said, do you have any questions? Oh, I guess. um.
2: I guess I feel like the one thing I haven't mentioned that related to any of this stuff is that I do feel that like in a lot of subtle ways that these problems have like been behind some of the like uglier moments in the time that I've been online. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't, I don't know how aware of this you are, but like a lot of the, like I'm like a fairly controversial person within trans spaces Okay. Because of like a lot of people are upset about some like borderline transphobic things that I have said in the past, and it's I I sort of I, I, I know that the, those the things that I said that that are are contrary. Like I didn't say anything too horrible, but like it's something that like people kind of pick up on. Because in a sense, when they say that I'm transphobic, like, they're right. Like. Like I feel like if they're exa- they're, exa- they're exaggerating. obviously they say it in a really mean way, where they're trying to vilify me. But like they, they, they like they see the same thing that you're seeing, you know. And I feel that, I, and I feel that on some level they're right that it has like come out in these ways that are sometimes ugly. And I guess I just don't. I, I, I guess my final thought is like, I wonder if there's any way to kind of like
3: undo some of the damage of that. Sure.
1: Of course. So, so I, I know it sounds like a simple answer to what sounds like a heavy question, but yes. absolutely not. So I think it starts with what I'm hearing is that there's a little bully in you that sometimes is a little bit bullying towards trans people, which we know yeah. because you bully the shit out of yourself all the time. Right. <laughs> and, and that it peaks out and then some people from the trans community blame you for it. Yeah. Which I don't think you're transphobic in the way that there's like true transphobic people, but I'm not yes. surprised that there are people who are attuned towards some of your negative attitudes that fluctuate and peek out in your content. I think yeah, it's not it's like actually it's fair to, yeah. or compassionate for them to like zero in on those moments in the larger scheme of your overall thread, right? Mm-hmm. I tend to be a pretty compassionate guy. Sometimes I can be a dick. And I think it's fair for people to sniff that out. And like, I'd also appreciate it if they could, you know, look at the scope of my things and judge me for all of it. That's what I want too. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, but that's sort of on them. And you ask, can I heal from it? And I think absolutely. And I think this goes back to what we're talking about, which is that you've got to start with yourself, right? You've got to start with like stopping the bullying towards yourself. This is the crazy thing that, as you kind of alluded to, is that a lot of bullies are bullies because they're hurting in some way. Like if you look Mm -hmm. at kids that are behavioral and like hit other kids, it's oftentimes because they were abused. And you kind of mentioned, you've alluded to this, but it's something that I call the cycle of abuse. And it's like the cycle of abuse continues. Like we see it in like medical training where you know, you get yelled at in the operating room by a surgeon because, I mean, it's like my second day and some guy's yelling at me because I don't know how to do surgery. I'm like, dude, if I don't know how to do anything in this room, it's fucking your fault. Like, it's not, I mean, yeah. you're the person who's been doing surgery. This is my second day, bro. And and so, so we do that, right? Like we learn a particular way of like interacting and then we adopt those patterns and we propagate them. So if you want to make the world a better place and you want to heal the hurt that you've caused, and I don't doubt that you've caused hurt and that's not because you're a bad person, it's because we all cause hurt like you know we're new at this thing called life yeah can you fix it i mean can you fix those particular things no i maybe not but i don't think that's relevant i think you've got to start by like trying to make the world a better place that i think you can absolutely do. start by yeah. understanding why you bully yourself that too, track that back to your hurt
2: mm-hmm.
1: compassion towards that hurt will make the bullying behavior go away And once you become that person, I have no doubt in my mind that you will be a force for overall net good in the world if you aren't already. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think you should do. And that, my friend, is your karma. This is your journey. And you've been given these challenges. You've walked this path. You've learned how to stumble. You've learned how to fall. And then you will be in a different kind of place. Because right now, bullying yourself in the trans community is transphobic, and no one is going to do it. But I would venture that a lot of people are doing exactly what you do. But the problem is it's so fucking transphobic, no one's allowed to talk about it, so no one can ever help each other with it. No one can ever be compassionate towards it. Well, that is the problem, is that because on the one hand,
2: it's either other people who are like very transphobic will take your side... And then the people who are hurt by what you're saying, they vilify you for it. So it's so, like the only compassion that is, is, is had for you is, well, there's no compassion for you, right? It's either taking so, your side in, in, a, in an evil way. Well, it's not an evil, it's an evil, but like in a, in a, somewhat like in a
1: mean way, a malicious yeah. way. Yeah. So, or so, there's yeah. like, you know, they're, they're seeing you as this villain. So Natalie, this is what I think you need to do. You need to help yourself first and foremost. And then what you need to do is shine out towards the rest of the world. Yeah. Right. Like once you become like pure and clean and you accept yourself, who you are, just let broadcast that shit out there. And some people are going to get pissed at you and some people are going to glom on and some people are going to twist your words, but it's been my overwhelming experience that when you just, try to work on yourself and you become a decent human being and you just let the rest of the world see, it tends to work out pretty well. Yeah. So start by fixing the hurt within yourself. And then you can talk about being transphobic or bullying yourself or the hateful thoughts. And if you use those words, right, if you use, if you say like, I used to like, look at myself in the mirror and like, I'm ashamed of who I see. There is no doubt in my mind that like, you know, lots of trans people out there are going to resonate with that. And then when yeah. you say, This is how I learned how to be different, a lot of people are going to resonate with that. And then they're going to stop bullying themselves. And then you will be a, a force for good in the world and you will have healed the hurt. Sound good? This sounds very good. <laughs>
2: okay. This is very helpful.
1: I'm glad because I never know where this is going to go.
2: No, this is going very well. Okay.
1: I'm glad. I,
2: I, I, need, I need someone to tell me these things every day. <laughs> okay.
1: Yeah, so
3: who can that be? Um, there's a couple
2: of people in my life who are
1: like... Incorrect. I th- I th- okay. Who is going to tell you? I have to tell myself. Is that what you're you're damn right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? Because here's the crazy <laughs> thing. What do scary. you tell yourself every day?
2: Uh... What do I tell myself
1: every day? Yeah, right? <sighs> that sigh says it all.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah You're it's, right. It's, you absolutely need, you need to hear these things every day. Yeah. You're damn right. You and everyone else who's insecure or struggles with something, you need to hear this every fucking day. And there, it's wonderful that you have people in your life. I encourage you to recruit them. But once again, it depends on which side you're on. Are you on their team, Natalie? Or are you on the toxic team? Yeah. Work on it. I have faith in you. You come this right. far, and I think that like it's hard to come this far without you know having a lot of courage, a lot of resilience, brilliance. Frankly.
3: Thanks. I <laughs>
1: just Yeah. Cool. So I, right, I'm kind of so done. You okay, okay wrap yeah, wrapping up? I, I, no, I'm, I'm good. That, that okay. sounds, sounds great to me. Yeah. Um, so, you know, in terms of meditation, sometimes I'll teach a formal practice. But it, in this case, Natalie, I really encourage you to like watch what comes up. So like go and look at a picture of yourself and like watch what comes up. And even like yeah. like just watch those thoughts and those feelings and then like try to be your older sister. And that's going to take practice. Yeah. You know if you feel ashamed of yourself just look at yourself in the mirror and see what comes up see what you tell yourself right and then try to
2: yeah it would be good to do to be able to do that because i feel like then i could also be an older sister to other trans people which is something that i sort of have not quite gotten to be able to do yeah because you
1: haven't been ready yet yeah so that's your karma Right, So like it'd be interesting because I think from like a karmic perspective that if you wanted to be an older sister to lots of trans people, I would recommend a career like a PhD in philosophy where you're doing research in, in an academic setting as opposed to having a YouTube channel with a million subscribers where you have a platform where you can communicate <laughs> yeah. a message of positivity towards people who need to hear it. Which one would yeah. you pick?
2: Well, I, I suppose at this point I the decision has been made. I don't know. Damn right. I feel, yeah, I feel like I think
1: this can be done either way. Yep. And I think that's your karma, right? Because, yes. oh, lo and behold, you happen to have a platform where you get 3 million views yeah. for videos that you make. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of, um,
2: well, it's, it's, it's frightens me actually the amount of responsibility that
1: comes with that. Good. That's the best feeling that you've had all the time today. You should be terrified. Yes, terrifying. Because Natalie, you have a big burden on your shoulders. Yeah. And the world needs you. Yeah. And so, time to, you know, start treating yourself well, get fully aligned with who you are as a person, because there are lots of trans women and trans men and cis women and cis men who are insecure about what they see and need something from you. And it turns out that you're an incredibly thoughtful person who can tell a very succinct story with lots of context and background, and you have a training in philosophy and argument. So if you have something to say, turns out that you're actually pretty skilled at saying it and helping people understand. So if you feel the crushing weight of responsibility on your shoulders, I'd say good job. Grow the fuck up and get to work. (laughs) Sounds good. All right. Thank you so much for coming
2: on. Yeah, thank you for having me. This has been a It was fun it was a little more interesting than I imagined it was going to be.
3: <laughs> For me too. I didn't know you were a trans
1: woman. I didn't know did. a <laughs> But hey, oh so Natalie, it's been delightful. Wow. It's been great. Yeah, it's, it's been good. <laughs> so you guys just, you want to just tell people who are here a little bit later, a little bit about what you do and where we can find you?
2: Uh, yeah. um So my name is ContraPoints is the name of the channel, C-O-N-T-R-A points and uh yeah twitter youtube instagram i would focus on youtube other stuff you
1: know yeah so That's she makes really myself. cool videos that are like really well thought out um and and kind of start to finish i think it's like really good it's not just something like snippet it's like really well thought out so check out contra points thanks for coming on and good luck to you friend thank you so much all right bye